politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to defend and guard our liberties that are under assault to the one and only CR podcast, Daniel Horowitz, here in the house for Tuesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. And the question is, will we be like a bunch of groundhog conservatives that come out, see our shadow, go back in, and repeat and rinse and repeat and rinse the same old stuff, or will we look towards new frontiers? I, for one, am trying new things. Like I said, hopefully within a week or so, we'll have a website landing page out, and... That will allow you guys to sign up as state leaders. We're going to divide up, hopefully at least, you know, start with maybe 10, 15, 20 of the most conservative states and work on pressuring all the people into lawsuits, legislation, executive actions, county, state, our sheriff's program. We have a lot of things we hope to accomplish this year. Hopefully this will be the year that will push us over the edge that will finally make us do what is right. So again, um, you know, we'll probably call it can, like as as in yes, we can see say put a constitutional action network. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do on this constitutional action network. And hopefully we're gonna talk about some of that in the coming days. I wanna talk about one idea I wanna push today. But I first want to start off with the fact that There is no place in hell where these COVID fascist dirtbags can hide to escape the judgment that is coming their way. Maybe not on this earth, but certainly in the next earth. We have truly never seen anything in history where governments have done something so illogical, immoral, illegal, inhumane under the guise of helping people, where there was 100% pain and 0% gain, nothing, nothing has been accomplished with the destruction of a generation of children, their physical health, their emotional health, their behavioral development, the emotional well-being of adults, the economy, jobs, lifelong dreams of small businesses, And our entire relationship with government remade for a lie. And we still don't have any pushback. This is what I find amazing. Ten months into this saga. Ten months. Republicans are still debating with Democrats over how much money to pump into the virus response. That's predicated on lies rather than debating the entire premise of this crime against humanity that caused all the pain and zero gain failed to stop any of this. That's what they need to do, but we have 10 Republicans meeting with Biden saying how great it is, including deep red states. Yes, Shelley Moore Capito in West Virginia praising him. This is why Joe Manchin never feels any pressure because she is just as far to the left as him. Nothing ever seems to change. All these Republicans... Every one of them needs to be thrown out. Now, first off, 
Today's sponsor is once again constitutioncoach.com. They offer the best intellectual and physical ammo, both defense training in firearms and constitutional training, really the two most important things now. And they do this every every two months or so. Unfortunately, the February 7th and February 11th classes are all closed. We really had a great, great response. I look forward to meeting all of you in just a few days next week. Um, we'll have a little bit of an irregular schedule with our shows just because I'll be out on the run and meeting everyone on the range and shooting together, talking together, organizing together. But the next classes that are available at Front Sight Nevada are March 21st and March 25th. And then there will be another round on May 30th and June 6th. I will probably not be at the March one. I hope to be at the May-June one. So um, make sure to go to constitutioncoach.com and register. It's 90% off the normal price, just $100 for the three-day course, $150 for the five-day defensive handgun course. Um, I'm telling you folks, if you're looking for a spring vacation, Without any COVID fascism, I mean, you got to fly there, and I understand that. But uh, this is the place to go, constitutioncoach.com, your only physical and intellectual ammo with fellow patriots. Okay, so wanted to get to a couple of stories today as we watch Republicans sit and grovel for money. Could you imagine our founders ever envisioning a scenario where constitutional rights would boil down to not freedom, but free stuff. That we are willing to sacrifice ourselves to the federal government and become vassals so they throw out some free food and take away our liberties. So this is the excuse being given in all these states, in Wisconsin, that they're you know soft-walking uh, the repeal of the mask mandate, the repeal of the emergency. Well, if it's not an emergency, we can't get our FEMA funding. Um, the governor in Idaho, Brad Chicken Little, we really need to get on this dirtbags case. Four to one majorities there, three to one majorities in the in the legislature. And he's shaming the state house for pushing back against his emergency powers. How dare you interfere with my dictatorship? Don't you know there's only one branch of government? Don't you know there are no constitutional rights? We have we have federal money we need. Well, this is one of the biggest threats we have right now. The The lifeline to our freedom is states basically nullifying the nullification of the federal government. And yet, Biden's going to push back by dangling a carrot and a stick approach with funding. So now all these Republican legislators and governors are like, oh, we can't lose our funding. Like a bunch of welfare whores i mean really they're stupid because at some point you're gonna have to do this anyway being dependent on the federal government meaning even if you buy into covid fascism there's gonna be something else biden's gonna do to you you're gonna have to stand up and be willing to power through the threat of cutting off funding so that's a talking point that needs to be shredded also just just as as an aside it's a straw man argument to say we're going to lose our FEMA emergency funding if we end the fascism. The last time I checked, and this is the problem with their whole psyche, they think an emergency declaration means masking, um, what's the capacity level, 
Um, the business is closed. The schools closed or masked. Uh, contact trade. No. When have we ever had an emergency like that? An emergency means you release certain funding, you do certain targeted things. It doesn't mean a suspension of liberty. So if any of these, you know, governors or legislators are telling you this with your meetings and your calls to them, let them know, stop with the straw man arguments. When we say terminate the emergency, you could still have an emergency declaration for um, distribution of the vaccine, making certain treatments ahem available like ivermectin and things like that. And, you know, making making things available, helping people, not harming people, not suspending liberties. The two aren't mutually exclusive. So you could terminate the illegal emergency orders and the legislature could, could abide by their own. But I wanted to go over a story with you that you might not have heard, but it's vitally important. Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky has been talking to me for a few weeks about this. Um, I, I was not the first person to put this out. I have an article out today. Cheryl Atkinson at her outlet um, did a video report on this. But the congressman has been talking to me for a while. Now, this might seem a little bit in the weeds and a little bit you know, hyper-technical, dealing with a specific language in a CDC document. But you're going to see why I'm talking about this, why I'm driving at this. There's a lot of profundity in, in this. And, and through this, I need you guys to learn to literally ignore everything you see from CDC and similar agencies. There is zero science. They won't even get it right by accident. This is all about having tyranny with no shelf life, no expiration date on the shelf, about finding a way to perpetuate panic and fear and subjugation with an underlying premise that will ensure it will never, ever expire until we make it expire. Now, one of the things we've mentioned, there's been about three studies that have come out recently that show robust long-term immunity um, anywhere from 95 to 100% from natural infection, which would be expected from anything. And even the few cases of reinfection are basically just because they were testing. And as always, immunity is not necessarily 100%. Um, what you want is that you don't get seriously ill from it. And that, that's pretty much 100% or in line with any other virus that we've ever gotten and we always trust natural immunity nothing different here it is certainly not worse than the vaccine even if pfizer and moderna are right which you know you really wonder if they are and we'll find out but it's likely somewhat better natural infection conveys somewhat of a better degree of immunity okay that's the reality Income CDC, and this was already weeks ago, Massey noticed in December, on December, December 10th, CDC published the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, Interim Recommendations for Use of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 Vaccine. And this was basically their endorsement, their recommendation, and in their write-up they wrote, consistent high efficacy, upwards of 
was observed across age, sex, race, and ethnicity categories and among persons with underlying medical conditions, comma, as well as among participants with evidence of prior SARS-CoV-2 infection, end quote. So they were writing that the clinical trials proved that the vaccine is effective with people who had the virus and people who didn't have the virus. Now, you might ask me, well, Daniel, if you had the virus, I thought you were immune. Well, so they were implying blatantly two things. Number one that that implied in that is either natural infection doesn't confer immunity, or if it does, the vaccine further advances it. In other words, let, let me just give fake numbers for a minute. This is not the case. The opposite is it true. But if natural immunity would give you 80%, you know, it would have an 80% uh, efficacy rate, this would give 92%. This would advance it another 12. That That's directly implied in their words. And that this was borne out by their clinical trial. Now, Thomas Massey, he himself had, had the virus, so he was very in tune with this. He was like, wait a minute. You are seamlessly mixing sex, age, demographics, medical conditions with having the virus or not having the virus, meaning that according to CDC, and and we're going to see, this is with all of their messaging as well, not just their technical documents, but in all their public advisory, they are making no discernment between having the virus and not having the virus. It's like, if you had the virus, you should clamor to get yourself the vaccine, even with scarce doses, just as much as other people. And by the way, just hold off for a minute don't take this discussion from me or any other discussion about the vaccine as an endorsement of it and ignoring some of the questions about it. I'm just going with their logic now. The vaccine is God's gift to the world. It's scarce. We got to make sure people get it. And under their way of thinking, they are saying that people who did not have the, va- the virus should not be prioritized over people who did. Having the virus is as if you didn't have it. No immunity. Now, what Massey did some research, and he looked straight up into the Pfizer report, and they were very clear. They actually tested people with, um, they tested about 1,300 people who had prior infection. And they found after the first dose, so there's the vaccine group and the placebo group, right? The ones that really got the fake thing. So that's how you're able to compare the efficacy of the vaccine. And they found among the placebo group, meaning so they they had prior infection, and then they weren't really given the um, the dose. They weren't given anything. So eight people were reinfected and nine among the vaccine group. So actually, if anything, the vaccine group did did slightly, you know, whatever that is, you know, almost 10% worse. I mean, it, it's very small numbers, and it's hard to draw a conclusion. I'm not saying it's worse, but it certainly wasn't better. And then at the end point, when they had the second shot, it was one each. So one person was reinfected who already had it from the vaccine group and one from the placebo group, period. So there is literally no such study 
showing that it advances your immunity more than natural. I'm not saying it's not true and that no study in the future could come out saying that, although I would be surprised because so far from what we see from the studies on natural infection seem to be higher degree of immunity than even what Pfizer is claiming. And that is not proven yet. But here we have CDC that literally lied. So Massey, and, and, and he sent me a number of the phone calls and maybe over time I'll, I'll try to play them. He has the audio. He, he actually recorded his phone calls with a bunch of CDC people. They gave him the runaround. He said, look, I'm a congressman. I'm trying to look at this and, and this doesn't make sense. This is false information. You have to correct it. There is no evidence. There is no data to speak of on the efficacy of a vaccine for people who already had it, mainly because you already have immunity. But it, it, certainly if you believe that the immunity is not so great, which is CDC's position, or is questionable, and that this may further it, well, you don't have evidence of that. So... He had a bunch of calls, and they were like, they kept saying, wow, Thomas, you know, Congressman, you are amazing. That is such a good catch. Um, what this woman, Dr. Amanda Cohn, actually said to him, I think we read that thing so many times, and we just skipped right over it. Wow, we know we can't be perfect, and now and now we're going to miss things. Um, you'll, you'll forever after be known in our office as eagle-eyed man. So they literally like buttered him up like, wow, great catch. And then he like every few days he kept checking and and he kept calling them. He said, it hasn't been changed. Like, what is the deal? It hasn't been changed. And then two days later, after that conversation with Dr. Cohn, that same Dr. Cohn of CDC moderated a panel discussion, this video conference with medical professionals. And, you know, she like, posed the question to Dr. Sarah Oliver, who was happened to be the lead name on this CDC paper we're talking about, about natural infection. Like, hey, you know, what about, you know, people that already got the virus? You know, what about them getting the, the vaccine? And she said blatantly, data from both clinical trials, meaning Pfizer and Moderna, suggest that people with prior infection are still likely to benefit from the vaccine. They repeated it. And over and over, to this day, they're like, it's not even a nuance. Like, look, eventually it might be a good idea to get it, but certainly you have, you know, pretty, you know, much, much stronger immunity than people that don't have the virus or didn't get the virus. So make sure don't, don't, you know, take up slots for the virus for the vaccine now. Let people who uh, are still at risk get it. No. There's no nuance whatsoever. No nuance. Finally, when Cheryl Atkinson put it out over the weekend a few days ago, I think it was January 29th, they issued an update. But here's the update. Rather than two than one sentence is that one sentence that it works across all age, sex, race, ethnic. Um, and people with medical conditions, as well as those who had or didn't have the virus, they start a new sentence, right? Efficacy was similarly high in a secondary analysis, including participants, 
both with or without evidence of previous SARS-CoV-2 infection. It's the same problem. There is no such thing. It shows the same amount of people with the vaccine without it among those with priors. So you don't see that. You see it all from natural infection. You don't see one iota that the vaccine furthers that immunity. Let me just quote to you from what the congressman told me over the phone. I'm just going to quote verbatim. These words, with or without evidence of previous SARS-CoV-2 infection, imply that regardless of whether you had COVID or not, this vaccine is proven to be effective. This is absolutely not borne out in either the Pfizer or, or Moderna trials. They are still misleading people, and this time it's intentional. This is just a restatement of their mistake. This is not a correction. Folks, the reason why this is so important, why are they doing this? Why are they hiding the ball? Why are they refusing to take this off? Why are they refusing to change their guidance about natural infection? And the answer is simple. Because this is the fulcrum of the tyranny. Because this is no longer at the bottom of the hill. Well over 100 million people likely got it. With February starting, we're likely, and and we see it really, I mean, the curve is down. We're likely at the end of this. I'm not saying it's not going to spike up anywhere at all, but we've we've gone through the lion's share of the virus. That is for sure. You see, this is really over with. This is the single most important thing they cannot allow to get out to the public. That natural immunity is more effective than the vaccine. Because here's the thing. I think they know deep down that there's problems with the vaccines. And that even in the best case scenario, it's not going to be as effective as they say it was. Forget about any collateral damage, you know, side effects or whatever, or deaths. Just in terms of efficacy, I think they know it's not going to be 92%. Maybe it'll be 70%. And, but by then, most people would have had it anyway. So then they always have the opportunity to fall back and say, whoops, we lied, the vaccine didn't work so well, tyranny forever. We already have herd immunity from natural infection. This is why they cannot allow this to get out. Now, I also think they obviously had to have had meetings with Pfizer after this uh, correction was brought to bear by Congressman Massey. There's also a crony element, too. That, think about it. If over 100 million people got it, what did they get, like $50 a, a pop of reimbursement? What is that, 5 billion people? Five, I mean, $5 billion lost? So they got to be stupid to accede to the fact that over 100 million people don't even need it. Science. This is science. Never forget that. And never forget that they are willing to lie about natural immunity and obfuscate its existence to the point that they are even willing to suck up scarce vaccines for those that already had the virus 
just to hide the fact that there's natural immunity. These people are sick. Utterly demented, demented people. I'm telling you guys, hell is not big enough to house the COVID fascists, and there's going to be a lot of them. The lives they have cost just to push the tyranny and the crony capitalism, those two things, to destroy the lives of children based on a lie, to kill a number of people from COVID itself based on a lie about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and ventilators. Lying about the few things that God has given us that work so they could promote the things that don't work for the virus but work very effectively to destroy an entire civilization and kill exponentially more people as time goes on. So the, the children. I want to get to this Norwegian study. The Norwegian Public Institute of Health. They basically studied schools in Oslo and Viking, two Norwegian counties with the highest COVID incidence, has about 35% of all Nor- Norwegian population. And they basically looked at all the children that were infected, and they studied 234 child contacts of those children. They found just two primary cases and no secondary cases identified. And in my view, it's not even clear that they could prove that it necessarily came from the school. But it's very low. Two primary cases, zero secondary cases. Among their 58 adult contacts, just one primary case, zero secondary cases. These were children 5 to 13 years old. And they concluded, obviously, as we've seen everywhere in America, but they also cite from um, Netherlands and Sweden and, and other Norway studies, that basically it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And closing schools has no bearings on anything and children do not spread. Okay? But here's the kicker. Norway doesn't have a mask mandate. So that means that these children were in school without a mask. CDC lies to us and says, oh, it's now safe to open schools with a mask. No, because it's spreading among adults with a mask. So the fact that it's not spreading with children is not because of the stupid mask. It's because children don't spread. And indeed, in Norway, we have that example. Could you imagine the fear and that you are instilling in kids? The emotional, mental health problems for younger kids, especially the developmental and behavioral problems from having their mouth covered and seeing other people's mouth covered all day long, not to mention whatever physical problems that will arise from it. All for a lie. Anchorage Daily News reporting that one Alaska clinic saw a 173% increase in admission of children with severe injuries this year. CNN reported last week, because now you could report on it because Trump is out. In Texas alone, 37 students were admitted to a Fort Worth hospital following suicide attempts in just one month. 19 students in Las Vegas actually committed suicide. All for a lie. 
Again, the flu is down 99.5%. So we are actually living in a time when it is safer for children from respiratory viruses than anything we have ever experienced in our entire life. Because this year's version of the flu is not a threat to them. You know, typically, I mean, I've had kids in school for a while. Typically in a flu season, you'll have some weeks where you'll have half the class out. It's pretty disruptive. And some are out for as much as a year. And then, not a year, I mean a week. And, um, you know, once in a while you'll get kids that have lingering fever for a long time. It's just kind of odd. And they get better eventually. So it's very disruptive in their lives. We've never done this before. This year, we don't have that. We have COVID, which is almost always asymptomatic or very close to it, with them. And this is what we're doing to them. Again, folks, if you are in the state, you know, fighting in the the, the states, if you're in a state that, that we are somewhat within arm's length to pressuring Republicans, the goal is not to open the schools in the sense of opening the doors. The goal is to stop the child abuse. Schools need to be open normally. Masks aside from not working, even if they did, there is no need to with kids. And it certainly wouldn't outweigh the harm because there is no threat to them in any meaningful way. This is put out by... Evergreen Family Medicine. It's a group of doctors in Oregon. And let me just read to you a little bit from it. We wish masks worked, but they don't. At least not the cloth and surgical masks you see in the public arena. They litter the landscape and waterways. They are difficult for people with disabilities and small children. It promotes natural germaphobe tendencies and indoctrinates the young to see their fellow humankind as a sack of germs. There have been many randomized controlled trials and meta-analysis of previous studies that suggest that masks do not work to prevent influenza-like illness or respiratory illness transmitted by droplets and aerosol particles like COVID. This knowledge was the basis for the WHO and CDC recommending against the public wearing of masks in the spring of 2020. It was repeated by authorities and experts at every level. Dr. Jerome Adams, the Surgeon General, tweeted, Seriously, people, stop buying masks. They are not effective in preventing the general public from catching coronavirus. Dr. Anthony Fauci told 60 Minutes, quote, There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. In April, the New England Journal of Medicine wrote, quote, We know that wearing a mask outside of healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. What changed? Well, it wasn't the science. All studies are not equal. The gold standard of medical evidence comes from randomly controlled studies. Recent observational studies that were used to support mask mandates were poorly designed for confounding factors carried out in medical environments, and then impressions were extrapolated to the general public. Studies that evaluated the viral exposure of mice in a cage covered with mask materials versus caged mice without a mask cover does not seem to translate well in a world of humans who use their hands. (laughs) In contrast, a recent Danish mask study of the general public that was performed in a prospective randomized fashion did not endorse the current majority narrative and was vigorously criticized and suppressed by some. A new drug, medical product, or procedure would never be approved based on this type of evidence. Logic argues against mask effectiveness, 
The size differential between viral particles or droplet size expelled from the human respiratory tract compared to the filter size of surgical cloth masks is substantial. If you, read, if you read the fine print on most consumer masks, one will likely read a statement such as this, not intended for medical purposes and has not been tested to reduce the transmission of disease. Um, in August, Pew Research reported that 85% of Americans said they wore masks in public. Um, and obviously, since then, it's gone up a lot more. If masks and lockdowns work, why don't they work? At this point, many do not need an expert opinion to trust their own intuition, lying eyes that masks are not working. Everyone wants to mitigate the transmission of the virus, but let's focus on what works. Oh, but wearing a mask is easy to do. Can't you just shut up and wear the damn mask? Why are we poking this tiger, this mask issue now? Because there's mass hysteria, and many are blind to it. Because it's an irrational and divisive policy when unity is required more than ever. Because evidence should matter. Because in 2019, if we saw a father struggling to muzzle a terrified, crying two-year-old child on a plane with a cloth, we, w- we would report them to authorities for possible child abuse. In 2021, we kicked the whole family off the plane unless the father is successful in his efforts. Because of a young man with autism who is unable to tolerate a mask on his face is publicly shamed. Because the masks offer a false sense of security and may adversely impact more important public health mitigation measures. Because our local high school cross-country teams should not be running the trails wearing masks. Because the Oregon Board of Medicine suspended the license of a physician who objected to this policy. Because one of the greatest losses in this pandemic has been the loss of credibility of organizations for whom we held in high regard. Organizations such as the CDC, WHO, and public health organizations that need to maintain the trust of the citizens. Because it is increasingly apparent that the basis of the mask mandate is not medical, but political. Because fear and panic should not prevail over actual evidence, even when many powerful institutions have expanded, expended so much political capital promoting the wrong policy. We wish masks worked. We wish we didn't have to fight about them. But they don't, and we do. Tim Powell, MD, and John Powell, MD. And he lists all the masks, uh, all the um, charts from Ian Miller. I believe they're from Ian because uh, they look like his on on the bottom of, of the article there. Folks, one of the things I noticed about the left that I think people don't understand, part of why they are so successful is because they have no shame. They don't equivocate. They don't hesitate. They don't vacillate. They intrepidly and categorically do, and they do it swiftly. They do earth-changing things, boom, boom, overnight, done. The worst you can do is take a Band-Aid off hair by hair. You got to rip it off. Because everything you do, you're going to incur opposition. So basically, when you truncate that time and you just go, boom, mask mandate, done. One state after another, you demoralize the other side. The fact that you're doing it shows a degree of veracity to your view it, it, it shouldn't necessarily um philosophically but it does to the public the more confident you are and the more successfully you do the more it's like yeah maybe there's something to this look at what biden is doing look at what the left does look at how swiftly they've done this we need to do it the other way none of this chipping around the edges 
Don't let your legislators say, okay, capacity can go from 10 people to 50 people. The restrictions on 1st, 5th, and 14th Amendment are done. The mask mandates are done. And you get rid of it in a day. Have as much debate over it as these bastards had to implement it. Whoops, they didn't have any debate because the governor did it unilaterally. That's what they need to do. That's the beauty of what the Democrats do. That's why they're so successful. This is what we need to do. We need to create a list of the best bills in each state and then tweet, call, shame the governor, the Senate pro temp, the Speaker of the House, the majority leaders to push them and push them swiftly. I know in Oklahoma, um, Nathan Dom, he's a state senator, I think from the greater Tulsa area, good guy. He has bills that would prohibit the government from forcing or requiring vaccines, would prohibit cities and towns from forcing or requiring masks, and would ensure that any future contact tracing is voluntary and prohibits government from collecting data or tracking people without their permission. Mass mandates are gone and localities are prohibited from doing them. I don't have a bill number on that, but you can look that up. That's Nathan Dom, D-A-H-M, in the Oklahoma Senate. And folks, I don't know if you heard Osterholm, Biden's top coronavirus dude, advisor. He basically said, and this is what they're doing. You know, you knew this was going to happen. The new goalpost, well, we're having the vaccines and natural immunity, so what what more could you ask for? Well, now there's the variant strains. I'll be getting into that. But my buddy, Andy Bostom, put out new information on a number of studies on this because it's been out for a while since the, you know, the UK variant B117. It's been circulating since November. Notice infection hospitalizations and mortality rates are trending down. Notice that Florida, which according to virological.org, they have a study out that they have exhibited more rapid displacement of non-B117 than California. So in other words, Florida has had the um, the new variant in their circulation more than, Flo- than California, <clears throat> yet their hospitalizations are down 40% the governor announced today. How could that be? Furthermore, that South African um, variant, guess what? South Africa itself, from Cape Town, Cases were down from 369 per million on January 9th to 44 per million just three weeks later on February 1st. Okay? 369 to 444. What is that, like one-eighth or something? It's down almost 90%, 80-90%. In South Africa, the origin of that variant. Because, you know, folks, 
yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not a virologist and an immunologist and an epidemiologist, but I kind of know that viruses like to survive and kill fewer of their hosts as time goes on so they could survive, hence a cold, which you never really get rid of because it's, it's not deadly. So the mutations have always been less deadly. Look, oh my God, it's more transmissible. It's more contagious. Yeah, you bozo. The two work together. The more can- contagious it is, the less deadly. That's how they mutate. That's exactly what they want. There's microbiology behind it, microevolutionary theory, and God's mercy, because he doesn't want to kill everyone out. We knew this from day one. But the lies will continue. It takes forever to debunk their lies. You know what I'm saying? We needed this data. We knew this was true. I said it at the time when the variants came out, but... You know, we needed some data to show that, no, it's not causing more of a problem. It's gone down. It has not fueled the winter surge. The winter surge is already turned down everywhere. But here we go. Facts don't matter. Calgary police take traveling woman into mandatory isolation, but refuse to tell her family where she is. The fascism is continuing. But Mitch McConnell is joining Joe Biden in condemning Burma. I call on Burmish military to immediately release the civilian political leaders of the country and turn back from the abyss. We need to support the people of Burma in their journey toward the democracy and impose costs on those who stand in their way. Well, hey, buddy, how about we impose costs on those who are sacking democracy in the U.S. and Canada and locking people up for... Life, liberty, and property. How about that, buddy? Let's serve as a beacon of light for democracy here. You know, what, 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 what do third world countries have to learn when they see the first world countries beating their own people up over a virus and saying it's an emergency so you could suspend human rights? Well, what sort of lesson do they learn from there? It's amazing what gets the testosterone flowing to the extent it exists in these Republicans. They literally have nothing to say on any issue of our time. Anything. They're literally arresting every Trump supporter. They're sacking the First Amendment. The right to protest. Obviously the COVID fascism. Biden's suspension of the Keystone Pipeline. One after another. And rather than refusing to work with him and pass any of his legislation and budget bills until he rescinds them, they go and send a whole delegation there to work with him. And the only time they open their mouth is about Burma or about Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I'm sick of hearing about that. Folks, if you're talking about someone on the right that you think in your mind is not helpful to the cause, and that is where 90% of your focus is instead of the problem, then you are part of the problem. I don't know what Marjorie believes in and doesn't believe in from these Facebook posts and going on some of these forums with conspiracy theories, but what CDC is putting out day after day is a greater conspiracy theory that affects every facet of our life. 
Her Jewish laser stuff. I mean, I'm Jewish myself. What, I'm supposed to be offended by that? I don't know what she is or isn't. But she's not destroying this country. She doesn't have the power to. Focus on the people who have the power through their conspiracy theories to actually shred our Bill of Rights, shred our economy, shred our freedom. But no, all these phony conservative writers and and, and bloggers and, and obviously the elected Republicans, that's the problem. Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's just, this whole thing is, is just pathetic. That's what gets their juices flowing. And God opened the mouth of the donkey. Finally, the donkey speaks. They have what to say. You know what? If they were a quarter of as emphatic and outraged about the left as they are about people on the right they don't like, not only would we neutralize the left, but I got news for you, you wouldn't have Marjorie Taylor Greens. If you are someone who's worried about them harming our message or whatever, then look in the mirror because you're to blame. See, if the Republican Party was full of people like me that smartly and deftly debunked the left and proposed a constitutional path forward, then the base would be satisfied with that and wouldn't have the need to maybe venture off to their own conspiracy theories. But you know what? If you don't provide that to them, and they see government conspiracy theories getting away with it, they'll think of their own. Because frankly, I myself could believe anything at this point. After what we've seen in broad daylight, our government do to us. Oh, and now the Pennsylvania Secretary of State had to resign over bungling a referendum. Whoops. I thought there were no problems with election fraud from that Secretary of State. You better believe there's been fraud. There's been fraud in years for our elections. We never wanted to talk about it because the left makes it racial and anything that's racial, oh, we got to run away from. I'm sick of it. There's two more items I want to get to in our remaining time. So number one, speaking about the solution again, and I think this is something that we all really, really need to push for. North Dakota. Calling all of our North Dakota Minutemen or North Dakota Patriots. Kudos to Representative Kading and Representative Sebastian Ertel. They have two great pieces of legislation that we must pressure um, the legislative leadership into pushing. And we must make this a model across the state. If you told me, if you said, Daniel, what's the single most important thing we can do? Now, there's a lot of things we can do. You know, Some of it's legislative, some of it's lawsuits, some of it is societal, some of it's organizing sheriff's posses and bringing a militia, recreating a militia at a county level, but doing it under the auspices of the sheriff, which will be the most effective. A lot of different things. The single most important thing is to, in each of the 31 states where we have Republican legislatures and then have that trickle down to the county governments as well, a constitutional sanctuary declaration and then with it a mechanism to nullify the nullification. 
Here's the reality. The Democrats, when they control the federal government and the rhinos, when they control it, they have already nullified our constitution. The federal courts have nullified our constitution. The blue states have nullified our constitution. And they've nullified things that Trump did that they didn't like, even even, even though they were constitutional, such as immigration enforcement. It's time we stop abiding by a system that no longer exists. It's not nullification because there's nothing to nullify. They already nullified the Constitution. We're enforcing the Constitution. So Representative Kading and eight other House Republicans, there might be some senators signed on, introduced HB 1164. It would basically task the Attorney General with reviewing the constitutionality of every one of the President's executive orders And basically, if he would deem it unlawful, then that would um, trigger a law prohibiting any county or state agency or publicly funded organization from being involved in the enforcement of the edict. It includes any pandemic or health emergencies, the regulation of natural resources, the regulation of agriculture, the use of land, the regulation of financial sector as it relates to environmental, social, or, or governance standards. So this is where, like, for example, when you see Biden's orders basically ordering black or it's not even black, it's just anti, basically anti-white discrimination. By the way, as an aside, it's funny. One of Biden's orders talks about the rise in um, violence against Asian Americans because of the pandemic. I think you all know where 99.9999% of that violence is coming from, and it's coming from another group that's covered under his uh, his unlawful uh, order. It's certainly not coming from whites, but that's that's an aside. And then finally, the regulation of the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. I would add freedom of speech there as well. Another bill, HB 1282 by Sebastian Ertl, goes a step uh, further and basically creates a committee on neutralization of federal laws. So it would be a, it would be basically be House and Senate leadership, and they would pick maybe six other members or something, and they would recommend whether a given law is unconstitutional or not. So they take it a step further. It's a law regulation or executive order. So let's say Congress passes something. Let's say you know another agency or whatever or an existing regulation. It would review it. And if they deem it's unconstitutional, then the state is prohibited from enforcing anything until and unless the legislature passes a concurrent resolution on nullifying it. So they could nullify it or they could uphold it, but until they even act on it, you can't enforce it. This is the key going forward. Now, Republicans have a 40 to 7 majority in the Senate and an 80 to 14 majority in the House in North Dakota. That those bills need to pass. We need to start there and once you get one state, this thing should grow. So that's our first action item. Number 2, I want to get to, I want to close the show with this. There's a very disturbing story out today. That really scares me. There's a patriot named Koi. Um, what's his name? The cowboy guy. The cow- guy cowboys for Trump. 
Um, Coy Griffin, he's a county commissioner in Ottero County. I actually interviewed him before with the invasion at the border and the drug crisis there in New Mexico. And he is being held in detention without bail. A judge denied bail. Federal Magistrate Judge Zia Faraki, whatever that means, know where that dude came from, um, basically said he's concerned about Griffin's public comments. And you read it, and basically he's charged with a misdemeanor of trespassing. It's not even clear he was in the building. And if he was, they let them in. He claims to have bragged about climbing something, climbing up something, but, but I'm saying he didn't beat, he didn't break, he didn't steal. For trespass, I mean, I have done shows for two years on the abolishing of bail of murderers, rapists, people beating people silly on the New York subways. They're all given bail or often released the opposite without any bail. They're released without bail. Everywhere in this country, people with endless, endless records. But you have a county commissioner, and I'm not saying if you're an elected official, you're you're not subject to the law, but you're a county commissioner at a political protest and you yourself didn't do anything out of hand. At best, you have a misdemeanor, which we've never held someone without bail. They burned down over 1,600 buildings, including a police station in Minneapolis. I do not believe, I don't recall, a single human being being held without bail in the entire rioting that resulted in death, burning, destruction. Not just the people that were just standing there, none of them were arrested, but even the people doing that, where barely any of them were prosecuted, but even the worst of the worst, they were offered 40,000 bail or something like that. The worst human beings. Heck, the people that shot, what's his name? Um, and, and I apologize, I'm forgetting that, that retired cop in St. Louis at that pawn shop that killed him. They were given bail. This is unbelievable. These are perverted fake judges. It's all political. Oh, this is the COVID version of crime. This is what we all must care about in virtue signal. They don't look at the technicalities of law. They don't apply the law equally. It's a sadistic two-tier justice system. I'm sorry. This is not whataboutism. If we really were like Singapore and we're so strict, I could appreciate it. But if we literally are at a point in the country when there is an amazing momentum and velocity towards abolishing bail, meaning you get released without posting anything for the most violent crimes and including the insurrection. I mean, again, we had Andy Noe on the show talking about Antifa, much larger than anything on the right, openly calling for insurrection and actually successfully doing it. Not a single person who murdered and raped in that Capitol Hill autonomy zone, autonomous zone, that took over six blocks of Seattle for several weeks. I don't believe any of them were held without bail. It's not enough to say, look, I'm not the type that gets wild and trespasses, you know, doesn't affect me. It will. They're coming for everyone. Look at where they're coming from. It started with Charlottesville, and I warned people. These people were, it was self-defense against Antifa. They got life in prison. Never would have happened to anyone else, given the evidentiary standards. It never would have, 
but they were, they were white supremacists, so you could do what you want. And I was like, I don't care if they're white supremacists. You've got to apply the law equally. You can't have a banana republic. Because eventually we're all going to be deemed white supremacists. Not that that's a crime anyway, as hateful as it is. But that's where hate crimes eventually go. See, everyone always like, Daniel, man, you know, I don't know about the First Amendment and right to assemble. It's kind of dangerous. Look, look at what it could bring. No, it's not dangerous. Because there's a bright red line between committing a violent act, committing a destructive act, and First Amendment. Or something that's really just trespassing. And there's a bright red line there. See, under our system, we would punish the heck out of violent criminals. So there's a huge deterrent against anyone taking things too far. Under their system, where violent criminals go free, so yeah. Then people think, because you could assemble, you could burn. But only certain people. Again, there is going to come a time, and I think we're there, where states and counties and the sheriffs need to, need to stand outside of the homes of people when the FBI comes and say, you're not going in. Because I'm just telling you, you know, at first we thought, okay, it's the guy who stole Pelosi's lectern and stole some things and, you know, a computer and whatever, you know, whereas in other circumstances, the guy would get community service or a year in jail. They'll give this guy 20 years. They'll give this guy life. That we knew. Okay, fine. But we're talking about, like, people who are just there at the Capitol now. This is very disturbing. And they're just getting warmed up. You can't just look at where they are now. You can't be stupid and close your eyes. you got to look, especially with this slippery slope, one, two, three steps down from where we are. Because we'll be there in, within days. So anyway, um... All ideas are acceptable. Keep sending me your ideas, dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Um, continue discussing this. Don't be shy about opening up a discussion thread at our Facebook page, Miniman Speakeasy. Again, we're going to try to have a landing page where you could sign up um, and we could start organizing state teams, but eventually we'll have a full-blown website with a forum on it so you don't have to rely on any other social media or servers and we'll be fully independent until the FBI comes after us, but you know we'll deal with that then. Send this show to 50 of your friends, relatives, and, and neighbors, coworkers. Everyone needs to hear the truth, what is important. Don't focus on the soap opera issues. Focus on the fulcrum of our liberty. Our liberty will be won or lost this year. I said that at the beginning of the year. It all depends on how hard we fight to create a handful of states where we could live under some modicum of constitutional rights. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.